Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. Uh, before we jump in today, I just wanted to give a little intro to my guest. Scott Bennett is on the podcast, and Scott is the founder of investwithrules.com. And Invest with Rules is his own proprietary website uh, platform and tools designed to give you the confidence um, to know what to invest in and what to sell as far as your investments in the stock market. Um, Scott's got a ton of experience. He spent many years at Fidelity, which he kind of dives into. And then he even goes into kind of the the, uh, the science behind his uh, you know platform and methodology um, with investing. Scott is definitely a little bit more into the, you know, uh, trend following and, and getting in and out of stocks more than I am and, and more than I talk about on this podcast. As, as a lot of you know, I do a lot more of um, buy and hold for the long long haul. So, you know, Scott was a, 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 you know, fresh breath on the podcast with a different opinion and um, a different background than myself. I learned a ton from Scott. I think all of you will as well. If you're interested Definitely check out investwithrules.com. He's got a free weekly newsletter and then a free monthly uh, like pick of the month, which is the investments that are the companies rather that he believes we should be investing in. So, um, you know, I subscribed. I'm looking forward to learning more from Scott and investwithrules.com. I added the link in the show notes. So if you want to check it out, uh, you can click it there as well. All right, everybody, without further ado, Scott Bennett. So thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I am excited today to have Scott Bennett on the podcast. Scott is uh, now an entrepreneur, but also worked in the finance field for a long time, and I'm pumped to have him on. So Scott, thanks for joining. Hey Shane, thanks so much. Really happy to be here and uh, excited. Yeah, absolutely. Would you mind giving everyone just a little intro to yourself and a little bit about your background? Yeah, so again, my name's Scott Bennett, uh, originally from... Massachusetts and uh, currently live in Denver with my wife, uh, my young son and a dog. And uh, well, we've been here just for uh, um, collectively on and off for a little over a decade. Denver's a great place to live. Oh yeah. Um, for a little over 16 years, I worked for one of the largest asset management firms uh, in the world, Fidelity Investments. It was an incredible experience. I learned a lot. Um, and like many people this year, it was, it's been a really challenging year to say the least. Um, I went through a family challenge where, uh, if anyone else has gone through my, my, unfortunately we lost my mother, not to COVID, oh, but to, uh, metastasized lung cancer. So, um, it was a lot and, uh, I really valued our time together and I really wanted at the end of, uh, her battle to be with her. So, uh, I made a tough decision, but it was the, I, I know it was the right one. So I, I took I ran out of uh, time and it was, it was time for me to, and my family just to uh, spend as much time with my mother as possible. Yeah. Um, and that was a great experience just to be with her. And, uh, uh, and then from there um, it was kind of saying, okay, what's my next chapter and what's right. the next step. And after all those years at Fidelity, I've developed a couple of uh, interesting concepts. Um, the, my biggest takeaway was I, I personally had a problem for years, um, my friends, my family, um, a lot of people that I was talking to. And I'd say the biggest thing that they were, their, their biggest struggle was that they were really investing um, without confidence. Um, mm-hmm. And when the market's going up, like it feels like right at this moment, um, that usually means you underperform a little bit. You're not making as much. You, you kind of have these like, oh gosh, I should have bought that feeling. You're always kind of like, well, why didn't I see that one coming? Sure. Yeah. Uh, when the market's going down, like in March and February timeframe, um, a lot of people panic. Um, and really what today, my role, I, I run a, a website called investwithrules.com. And the mission there is to help people invest with more confidence in less than five minutes per week. And we do that by helping people buy with more clarity, sell with less worry, and invest with confidence. So that is the the mission. We'll we'll go through more of that later. Awesome. That sounds exciting. I mean, and I, I'm sorry to hear about your mom. I'm glad you get to spend time 
that's that's at least one you know silver lining i guess that you get to spend some quality time you know you never know when the end's coming but if you got to spend time at the end that's fantastic yeah thank you for that i appreciate it yeah um so maybe i'll start to i think it'd be really interesting because a lot of my audience um definitely is here because of like investing personal finance um would you mind kind of giving everyone just a little bit of a rundown um, of what it was like working at Fidelity. And really the purpose of my question here is just, um, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of young listeners, I would say like in the mid to late twenties, even in some like early twenties, um, that probably have never worked with anyone from like a Fidelity or any like wealth management type of service before. So maybe just to give someone an overview of like what you can expect by working with like a Fidelity partner. Yeah, I would say it depends on what you're looking for. Um, but I would say generally Fidelity is an open architecture brokerage firm where if you wanted to invest in any, let's say, stocks, bonds, um, it's just really easy. Their website's outstanding. Um, it's very user-friendly. So when it comes to either online or on your phone, um, the experience is is excellent. So I've had a lot of clients that have been with Fidelity for, for decades. And, and even some of the, I loved when I used to get referrals for most people, it was uh, for years, I I would get referred to like, it's funny at the end, it was like grandchildren and they were, and it was like, it was great. I was like, Oh my gosh, you have such, you're so far ahead of other people because you're starting now. That's what starting soon and starting now is so important. So Fidelity. um, So number one would be just a great website and easy to use. And number two, um, they do have an awful lot of financial planning tools just to see if you're on track. And I, I think a little of that's hard because when you're saying, oh, I, I'm going to retire in 2060 or some odd yeah, number right. and it so, looks so far away, it's a little daunting to say like, um, how do I do it? But it is really nice to have someone look over your shoulder and just say, yeah, you, you know, you're doing the right things. You're saving the right way. You're on track. So part of my role was the uh, certified financial planner for all those years and saying, yes, you're on track. Okay. And then, and then kind of being a little of the jack of all trades. Got it. Got it. And then how, just like as a synopsis, how would, how normally, like, what are some of the key things that people or you would notice that would tell you if someone's on track or not? Cause I think that's an interesting thing. And depending on who you talk to, it could be different. It, it's really interesting. So software is created by very smart um, software engineers. So, um, so I mean, primarily a lot of it is just inputs and outputs. So it's just looking at your current cash flow. Um, I'll give you both sides of it. So I've seen a lot of people who max out their 401k. That's usually the traditional uh, advice, max out your IRAs, your individual retirement accounts. And by doing that, you're, it's first off, that's really hard because yeah. living in a city or living in an expensive place, uh, living within your means is really, really hard. So just getting someone to at least at the bare minimum, if you work for a company and they offer you a match, they're offering you these incentives to save for your retirement. You, you, sometimes people just need the encouragement, but that's the right move for the long term. Okay. Um, the What I've noticed is I worked with for call it the last decade of my 16 years there, I worked with primarily million dollar clients. And what I've noticed is they had these huge 401k IRAs and they typically had really small non-retirement accounts. Mm, And what that meant is for most people, they're fine. No big deal, not a big problem. But for a lot of people, they said, you know what? I've saved really well. I've worked really hard and I've sacrificed and I want to retire a little bit early. Yeah. And they can't. So got it. So, so sorry, and to back it up a little bit. So you, when you say that, you mean like someone has a really nice 401k at Roth or an IRA, but then maybe like their actual savings checking accounts or, you know, fun investment accounts, whatever are small. Is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly right. Okay. And typically you have to wait till 59 and a half and there's always loopholes in financial planning and tax code, but to make it really simple is some people, they tend to just, they don't have a little bit of the balance. And I think balance is important, um, whether maybe one day you, someone aspires to be an entrepreneur, that money you really can't touch. Um, right. Or yeah. if you do, it's a, it's a huge penalty. It's really designed incentivized for you to wait. 
uh, which is we know the right thing, but yeah, sometimes our our life changes. Well, yeah, I mean so, you're a good example, right? Like if if you have if you're someone who didn't have any savings and you've done a great job of putting it into your 401k or or IRA, and then you want to start a business, what do you? Yeah, you don't have any money, then it, that's that's a, that's a challenge. Yeah, right? I mean, most people don't really want to borrow from friends and family, right? Um, and you got to pay the bills. Yeah. So. And then the question is how much of a lag time or, or lead time do you have before you really can be stable? So, right. okay. so it, it's an interesting, so there's two sides of the coin. Um, I would say the traditional side is usually right. Um, in most people's cases, most people are excellent workers. They're excellent, excellent. I, I don't love the word, but entrepreneurs where they can kind of maybe run a division of a business or do something incredible. Sure. Um, but if you really want to run your own thing, you got to be thoughtful. And I think that's where it's good to have someone look over your shoulder once in a while. Got it. Okay. Okay. So again, there's not like a right or wrong. It's all kind of about your life plan and kind of what you need in order to optimize whatever angle or whatever, whatever direction you're heading in. Right. I completely agree. Um, I always say like, there's the textbook version sure. and then here's what applies to based on what you said. So yeah. I think most, I think, so when, Someone, one of your listeners sits down with a financial planner. It's so easy just to get bogged down in the numbers and the cash flow, but having a financial planner ask you the really good and the tough questions about what you want out of life um, and what your life kind of, it's hard to say at that age, but what you may want your designed life to look like. Right. And that's a really good financial planner who can kind of piece it all together for you because that's what's going to get you where you want to go. And I would assume too, and tell me if I'm wrong, because um, I actually, I've, I've talked to a lot of financial planners, but I don't actually work with one directly right now. Um, I would assume, you know, you, you develop like a life plan, but then like everyone's life, things happen and things change. Is a good, would you say like a good um, financial planner, someone who I'm assuming they can like kind of change your direction and change your goal as your life goals change. And so it's like a moving project all the time kind of right it's like probably a macro direction but some micro changes depending on what's happening maybe i would agree um and i think there's such great software that's now kind of two side users so the 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 planner and the person who's using the software can use it together just because i don't know i remember when i first started like what a good financial plan was, was like a, like a 50 page document with like a bow on top. And the, and the second the client leaves the office, it's, it's old, it's stale, oh, life changes. Right. Yeah. Um, someone has a kid and she's like, well, oh my goodness, that's 12 different things that we didn't talk about last meeting. So, sure. um, so there's, I, it has to change constantly. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, was there any like, Anything major you could say was a takeaway from being at, you know, Fidelity and being in that line of work for a long time of like something to avoid, like completely avoid and not do? I always love to hear those kind of stories. Um, that's a really good question. Um, avoid not to do. Um, I, I would say as an, empl- so let's take uh, as a, an investor, um, I think if you wing it, um, if you, if you kind of, if you just simply watched financial media and you just okay. wing it, I think you're going to be in a, a real heap of trouble. And I had a really funny conversation with my father, uh, just a few, few days ago. And we we're having these conversations. He's like, I think the conversation was, you know, they have a vaccine. Why, why aren't those stocks doing better? Okay. And my explanation, I hope this makes sense, is, yeah. well, those stocks are already up 200% or 300%. So the market loves to be six months to a year out in its thought process. Mm-hmm. And the moment the news hits, people are always, their initial reaction is, oh, that should do great today. Well, it already did. So yes. the question then what you have to train your brain to think is, okay, well, what's the next reaction or what's the next step? that's going to come. So in this case, vaccine meant, again, no one knows the future, but maybe six months, maybe 12 months, maybe 24 months, people are going to get on cruises again. People are going to get back on an airplane and feel better that there's someone in the middle seat. Someone, so the, 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 it was the people are probably going to use oil again or energy. So it's, 
it's the double jump right where if so but what you shouldn't do you shouldn't probably trade on immediate news you're probably okay. going to lose you probably yeah. shouldn't be day trading um i think that's a for most people not successful yeah um and i think that you have to have and i know obviously my business is called invest with rules you you have to have a process in which you'll follow um, no different than when a pilot gets on the plane, no different than when an athlete gets on the field. Uh, you're prepared. Um, okay. If you're not prepared and you wing it, sadly, it's the most exciting game in the world. If you're trading or investing, someone's on the other side of the trade who would love to take your money. So if yeah. you're making constant mistake mistakes, they're, they're, they're taking your money and it's unfair and it's not the way it should be. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's a funny way. I mean, that's, if you really get down to how a trade works, that's exactly right. Like if you're selling or buying something, someone's on the other end buying or selling as well, which is so interesting in that context to think about is that, I guess that's a good way to think back to the initial, like the crazy dip we saw in the market when COVID hit then, right. Too, cause kind of to go off what you said, it was, as things started closing down, that was pessimism and everyone worried and knowing that these mark these, all these industries were going to just like collapse with no one leaving home right so that's again it was you know not necessarily because someone in the u.s got covid is that a direct correlation to the reason a stock's going to fall but everyone's trading you know they're thinking ahead to the next six months like you said yeah and i'll get into my process but i mean a logical thing for someone who's thinking six months to a year out is saying you know what? No one's going to be flying for a short period of time, maybe a long period of time. No one really wants to be in hotels. That's not their own home. Um, We're not going to drive as much. Um, So there's a whole chain effect of what causes that kind of that scare, that panic, that pessimism. Right. And the moment, most of the time, I guess the, the main crux of why I started what I start, uh, what I did is I, I can't communicate with my old clients for a long time, for sure. a year and change. Sure. And yeah. and I just know that, because I have friends that did it, which means that I have old clients that did it. And I care about these people a lot. And I know for a fact that they're probably selling at the worst point. And my hope is that my free letter that I send out once a week is good or as or better than some of the paid ones that exist for ah, okay. investment newsletters. Yeah. So my hope is that if someone very simply is just kind of getting that itch, like, oh my goodness, like, should I start selling off? Or like, or the the answer to most to the to the model, which I'll get into later, is now I, I don't think you should be kind of doing these drastic in and out moves, but but our brains love to trick us. So as an example, at the end of February, I have a model that it was built, which is an interesting story, but based on, it's a little bit based on relative strength and, and price trend and relative strength just means is are things getting stronger or weaker? Okay. And yeah. there's the model tipped me off at the end of February and just said, Hey, you know, something, I don't know, but something doesn't look right. And did it know that there was kind of an ever spread of coronavirus overseas? And the answer is it has no idea, but something in the price movement in the, in the relative strength movement just showed something was off. Hmm. And it tipped me off to say, you know what, if, if this is not the time to buy, this is the time to take any positions that you're not in love with, um, or you don't have large gains and just play a little defense. Um, in a retirement account, there's no taxes. In a, re- in a non-retirement account, again, we're not taking a huge tax impact. And then I got an alert again in April. And it said, I doesn't know the coast is clear, but it said something just seems, maybe the, maybe the worst is behind us. Um, someone okay. with large money is buying. The prices are moving up. The strength is kind of coming back. But my fear is if we go based, based on our gut, our wing it feeling, then you're selling in March and you've yeah. just got knocked by a third of your portfolio is gone and you sold at the worst point. And my hope for free is if someone just read the weekly newsletter at the bottom, it'd be like, oh, um, bad timing. Don't do it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've been very openly public on this podcast about that was, I was one of those people that I just wanted a slightly better cash position just cause I had, it seemed like this was a once in a lifetime situation potentially. So I sold off a decent amount of our portfolio 
and yeah, it was a good lesson learned. Like I, now, now I'm, you know, I'm 29, I've done that and I'm hoping I don't ever do that again. So <laughs> lessons learned, but let's jump into that. Cause so, so for everyone listening, Scott obviously worked at Fidelity for a long time. And as he's been alluding to, uh, left, started his own business. So Scott, do you want to kind of just give everyone a, a, a download into what you started, what it's called? And um, you've alluded to it a little bit, but then give everyone just a little bit of a background into yes. what it is. So it's called invest with rules, invest with rules.com. And I deliver two things. Um, and I'll kind of go through the backstory. Um, but the very first item is I'll start with 2008, which is a really a much worse version of what we just saw in March. Okay, so right. the, I have excellent experience with fidelity. I would highly recommend working there. It is an excellent place to start and to have a great career. I could have easily seen myself there for my entire career, but things change. And in 2008, whether you're at fidelity or any other firm, if you're working in financial services, it is an awful experience, just possibly the worst experience you could ever have because I was in my mid to late twenties and I had multi-million dollar clients looking for me at me for confidence and I'm relying on the behemoth of my company. But the truth is, is the market was down by at one point for a short period of time, 50%. Yeah. And it's devastating. And the hardest thing for me was my job was to put together financial plans with people and they were calling me and I was doing six, seven appointments a day. I was drained. Every time I was in an appointment, I could, I could actually feel the phone on the desk vibrating and the red light of like voicemails. And oh, every appointment I had like another 10 voicemails, appointment, 10 voicemails. Cause everyone was just like freaking out. And it was, everyone was panicking. Yeah. And everyone, what they were simply doing is they were taking the financial plans that we created, granted life changes. They were throwing them out the window, panicking and just begging to get out. And, and is that a common thing that you, I mean, you have a lot of experience. I've always been curious cause I'm, you know, I've only been investing on my own since 2014. So this is like the first major thing that's happened. Is that pretty common though? Does like just in general, do people just kind of freak out when the stock prices fall the way they did in COVID or 08? Is that, is it always kind of been the way, the way people react in general? I think the, yes, the answer is yes. And I think the media makes it a bit worse. Uh, um, yeah. That, that kind of creates that avalanche effect. And I think what happens is you people, there'll be a, the two sides and one side will say, um, oh, this is the time you, you got to protect, you get yeah. out. And the other side will say, this is the best opportunity in the world. You're going to miss it. There's always like wise minds will say that. Sure. But what actually happens is, is most people are in a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds in cash, very little cash. And the interesting thing is that bonds pay so little interest and they were paying 5% back then. But a lot of times people were in corporate bonds. So meaning that they could actually go down, not up when the market Oh, yeah, right. So, so not only, so when people's minds are like, well, oh, great. Well, this is a great opportunity, but for most people conceptualize and say, well, I'm losing money all over the place. Where's my cash to go buy something? So, wow, got it. so the question is what's, what's non-correlate, what's going to go up when the market goes down and have a lot. So that's what causes that extra panic. And I think the other challenge is any large firm where the fees are amazingly low, you have to expect that the people you're working with work with lots of people. Yeah. It's just, you have it's to figure out game, the scale. Right? Yeah, yeah, completely. It's just to make a business run. And if you're paying a lot of money, in theory, you're probably working with fewer people that are serving you. So sure. maybe you'll have more communication on handholding. But to be honest, when, you're, when someone's paying a fee and they're losing substantial money, there's this like click in the back of your mind. It's like, well, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. And that's what creates some of the selling crescendo. And then I always remember like you watch the, you watch wall street, the movie, and you're like, all right, fear and greed. Like it's, I, I hear it. But then all of a sudden you're like, it's so real. Like yeah. when, when the market's up a lot, you're like, well, why aren't I out more? And then the market's down a lot. You're like, this is awful. Get me yeah. out. And so it's this really interesting part of like our, our DNA that you can't shake because money is really emotional. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. so the answer is a quick answer is absolutely. Um, that happens probably sadly every time. Um, it happened 
probably to a lesser extent um, this past March because I don't know. It's maybe it was just so fast. Yeah, um, it did happen fast, I guess. Right. In, in regards to previous declines. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So the negative 2008 market, um, it kind of led me on this path where most people just kind of shake it off and they say, you know, that's just life and give it time, whether it's like four years to break even or years. I mean, it could be much longer. I mean, the right. Great Depression was something to the tune of 20 plus years of waiting to get back to all time highs. So we're in this environment where I just said like, well, there's got to be a better way. Like there absolutely has to be a better way. And I conceptualized it and I have a background in economics. I worked at Fidelity for 16 years. I was a CFP. I'm making mistakes left and right. Yeah. And so I, the things that probably people can relate to, um, when I first started, I chased mutual funds. There's always really good ones. Why aren't I in the best one? And then what yeah. happens is you buy and it falls. It's just like this, you're always buying high. You're buying at the wrong time. I, I had so many people tell me, go buy dividend stocks. That it's mailbox money. The mail it shows up quarterly in your mailbox. Okay. I, yeah. I don't know how it happened. I I bought GE. It's been around forever. It I think it paid, it was called the dividend aristocrat, which means it's paid a dividend, increases dividend yeah. for 20 straight years, 25. Yeah. The second I buy it, it lost 60% of its value. They actually <laughs> cut the dividend. So oh, yeah. I'm Jeez. sitting there, I'm just like. How? <laughs> so I bought the one time the, the, the aristocrat punted. Yeah, yeah. So um, pretty wild. Um, so, and then my third one is I was in a diversified portfolio in which in theory should have been fine. I, I got creamed in 2008. So I sat on this path like, well, how else can I figure this out? And financial media wasn't helping me. Um, Twitter was just kind of getting going, not okay, totally yeah. helpful. And I sat there and I said, okay, well, what, what can I figure out? And everything for me started, I don't know how, but I was invited to a dinner with a 200 and plus $230 billion fund manager. And I was sitting in, in that dinner with about 50 people. It was totally awesome. I mean, this guy runs so much money. He, every CEO and CFO on first name basis. Wow. He was telling just, there's like, like elegant stories of hanging out with Warren Buffett, asking really smart questions. And, and like, like everyone, every company we've all heard of, he knows them, he invests in them. It's just fascinating. And, but what I turned, I kind of like took a step back. I looked around and everyone in the room was just like scribbling ticker symbols down. Like the, the, the Oh, like, like the next like, hot like, thing to buy or yeah. whatever. So it's like, okay, well, oh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, B-R-K-B or B-R-K-A. So they're writing down these symbols. And I, I looked around, I was like, well, how do they know he's buying? And how do they know when? And then he started listing other names and I started thinking like, okay, well that stock's up a ton. And he was kind of going through his top 10 holdings and he was kind of rolling through it. And I sat there and I go, huh, well, what if I could figure out what he was accumulating and like what if i could figure out like because he his fund is so big he can't just buy in when he wants to like 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 most of us can he has to like just do a, a tiny chip each month so oh. if you really really like something oh, like there's literally not enough shares outstanding potentially to like he would he would jump the price he would double it really fast got He's, it because if if he wants to get to some of his largest positions are trillion or are sorry billion dollar positions right so so he's going to have to slowly buy month after month after month. And likewise, if he's going to sell, he's going to sell month after month after month. So I, I just kept thinking in that, in that dinner, how can I figure out what he's doing? And that was the crux of my, my business where, got it. so most people that have come to the agreement that they are, are done winging it, I'm going to model the best humans out there. There's a report that's legal that's called the 13F reports. And what it simply says at the end of each quarter, you find out what they were buying and selling. Right. Okay. Yeah, I've seen these. So Buffett just made the news the other day where you just found out what he bought in, in, Q, in Q3. So 
typically just to make the, 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 the date simple, in May, you found out what he bought January through March. So it's, so it's in the neighborhood of 45 days late, possibly four, four and a half months late. Right. I figured a way how to find a whole bunch of funds that equal about a trillion dollars that report 30 days late. So I'm either 15 days or about three months and change, almost four months ahead of the curve. So I, I'm good at data. That's where I started my career. Okay, and I yeah. scrub it. And it gives me a list of funds that voluntarily give their information faster. Oh, so it's voluntary. It's like you, they, don't, they, don't, they only have to do it quarterly, but they're actually doing it earlier. Correct. And what's the, what's the incentive for them to do that? I don't know. Maybe the compliance world loves them more. I'm not totally sure. Interesting. Okay. Um, it's a good question. It's one of the reasons they don't want you to know immediately. So the world of index funds and ETFs, you know that ne- the next, like, almost immediately, the next day what, what's in them. Yeah, so right. a lot of these huge funds were fighting hard to do non-transparent ETFs or index funds because they don't want their secret sauce gone. Right, right. So what the crux of my business, where I think my edge is, um, it are two pieces. So the very first piece is it's like an all-star team. If you just follow one smart person, they will go in and out of favor and we're human. And the moment they start underperforming, you're probably going to leave them. It's okay, just yeah. so no different than when you're driving on the highway, you're in the middle lane. You're like, huh, maybe I should, the left lane looks like it's moving. Yeah, yeah. And then you move <laughs> over there and then everyone else is going ahead of you. So if, so what I figured is, you know what, I, I'm a relatively bright guy, but let's follow an all-star team of people doing this. The largest funds I get my hands on that report faster. Got it. Okay. So this is what I do. And I'd say the, now, will it work every time? The answer is no. That's why we have rules and we have to get out at some point if something doesn't work in our way. But it's providing a level of confidence that I personally was dying for. Um, So when times are bad, you can hold on to something because you know that they're still buying. Yeah, okay. So my, I have three rules in my process. Rule number one is buy what billion dollar fund managers are buying. And if so, you do so that, may, yeah, make sure you're not buying things that they're not buying too, right? Yeah, that's rule number two. If they're, okay, if they're okay, selling, yeah. you, you need to get out Yeah, um, because it is an ugly chart. Um, it's a huge, uh, just a downdraft because when they're going to get out, they're going to, sometimes they'll get out fast and they'll just crush. When you see sometimes a stock just, just gaps down 20% yeah. and you yeah. have that stomach wrenching feeling. Sure. Yeah. That's typically one of the funds jumping out. Oh, it's okay. not a bunch of people at Fidelity, Schwab, Robinhood. That has nothing to do with them. Typically, these it's, this is a huge block of shares disappearing and being thrown out to the marketplace. Oh, is it really okay? That makes sense. I mean, that makes a lot more sense than the latter. Um, okay, I never, I didn't know that for sure. I kind of figured that that was what was happening because it seems does seem like sometimes the, the especially especially during COVID, like some of the increases and decreases we've seen, just almost seem like unnatural in regard to like, at least for me, I mean, the few years I've been, you know, trading before that, it's, it seemed extra crazy. Yeah. And I think, well, the bond market, when the bond market gets crazy, the Fed helps. So the Fed provides liquidity, but when the bond market panics, stock market totally panics. Oh, okay. So it's a, cause the bond market's three times the size of the stock market. Um, I always think of, when you, I didn't know that the bond market's three times the size of the stock market. It's enormous. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, that's why the U.S. dollar is uh, the world's currency. It's just the treasury market's so liquid. Oh, so, wow. so if you're going to be moving money around, that's that's part of it. Okay. But it's interesting. It. When I used to years ago, I used to Fidelity. They they love education. They would send me, and I'd listen to a fund manager talk, and I'd listen to a bond manager talk. Stock managers are so fun to listen to bond managers, no offense to any bond managers. <laughs> it's really boring. And because winning means you don't lose. There is no real uh, winning. You just get right. the yield off the bond. Yes. Right. The most boring thing in the whole world is listening to a money market or a cash fund manager talk. It can't get any worse. It really <laughs> can't. You'll actually see the room full of people that are, are watching and listening to these people talk quarterly. You actually see everyone leave 
before wow, money, really? before the money market manager gets on because it's that boring. Oh, that's a bummer. What a rough job to have then. <laughs> but there's a lot of money in cash. Yeah, so right. it's, it's yeah. lucrative, but it's yeah. it's boring. Got it. Okay. Okay. So those first two rules make sense. And then what did you say the third one? So the third one is what I call invest with the trend. And we just witnessed it in, in March. The market has a way where sometimes the greatest stocks, the funds that are accumulating can get thrown out as well during horrible times, just like what we, we saw. Right. So if I go back to rule one and two, and I go back to why this is different than 13 F reports. So when you only know at the end of each quarter, 45 days later, you're, you're just late is just the reality of it. It's hard to follow someone short term just to know what they're really doing. Sure. But the thing that I started noticing is the funds were selling hotels, airlines, energy, March, sorry, January, February, March, just gutted them. Yeah. That's right. where you, we saw that where they were moving was January. They were kind of bashful, but they were going to healthcare. Um, okay. Oh, were they really? Yeah. So one of my stock of the month uh, reports that I sent out was just Regeneron. Yeah. Do I know they were going to happen to have some sort of a cocktail that was really helped the president? We have no idea, but they were buying healthcare stocks. And then I saw them buying heavily in February and March and pretty much on through stay at home tech. Yeah. And I don't know if I picked the right one out of, out of a basket. Cause I, there's typically in my world, I look at about 30, 25 to 30 stocks. And I, I don't know why I committed myself to give one away for free once a month. Okay. So yeah. I'm picking out of a basket. Sometimes I pick the right one. Sometimes I don't. Um, but I picked Slack. I think it was up 60%. Yeah. It could, I mean, it maybe wasn't the, the true zoom of the world. The next month I picked DocuSign. So that was much better up to up 200%. Right. So stay at home tech, stay at home tech. And then all of a sudden, again, you start watching them, uh, these large funds go a little bit away from taking, they take profits on their stay at home tech. And what's fascinating is they start to go to places that you wouldn't expect. So you, you're like, huh, they're, they're starting to look at electric vehicles. They're starting to look at maybe, maybe there is a democratic presidential win and they're looking for some sort of cleaner energy solutions. Maybe, we don't know. Um, I started to see like um, some travel companies show up. I started to see some hotel companies show up. I started to see more sports betting. I started to see a lot of interesting trends where you're like, maybe they think the worst is maybe, maybe through. Past, yeah. So that helps me. But the answer to your question on rule number three, invest with the trend, is the when is the hardest part for absolutely anybody. So if we know what to buy and sell, that's, I mean, what with confidence is really dangerous. But the when to me was always, I like, I, I have to figure this out. Like I have to figure out like when, when is it right to time? When, when should you protect your portfolio? Like when should you maybe go all in? Like wh- yeah. wh- when do you, when do you put it all together? And I couldn't figure it out. I read probably dozens of books. The thing that actually helped me the most was my old company had a report called the performance report. And if you're a client of, of that company, every month, a few days later, you get how you did last month and how you did for the year. They, they track you really closely. Okay. And every rep gets it and every rep's honestly too busy. And I think they stopped giving it out because no one ever, you know, they probably looked at the open rates like zero. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was really fun. What most people did who opened it, they would look, look at it and they would call the people with the worst performance, get them in, help them, which makes sense. They're, they're struggling. Yeah. Um, what I did by accident is I double clicked it and it somehow posted best return to worst return. And there were people in my book, some were fund managers, hedge fund managers, everyday people, business owners, but there were some people who were just crushing it. And I had, I I have nothing to sell them because there's nothing on earth that I had that could match their performance. It's just the reality of how good they did. They sidestepped 2008. Yeah. So I sat down with no intention, just asked them questions. And I learned that some of them 
just happened to work for companies where their stock was just on fire. Okay. Um, so they just were, they had corporate like C-suite CFO, CEO, just had huge share accumulation and the stock just ripped. But a lot of the time there were these people that they couldn't really verbalize what they were always doing, but they would, they would look at my, my screen, they'd pull it towards them in yeah. my office and they would point on a chart and say, this is where I get in, this is where I get out. And sometimes it was technical, sometimes it was fundamental, meaning it was, it was based on the balance sheet, sometimes it was based upon a chart. But I kept watching interview after interview after interview over a few years of them just pointing at my chart and my screen and my charts. And I'd be like, huh, like there's a bunch of commonality that I keep, I keep witnessing of like, okay, well they were kind of buying here, here and here, and they were selling here, here and here. And I was like, well, what if I could kind of not program it, but what if I could say, okay, well, this is where they probably would have sold sure, based yeah. upon what they've consistently kept telling me. Long story short, I took a fraction of what they gave me because I was kind of scared and I gave it to a professional back tester and I was like, huh, that worked incredibly well. It's not, nothing's perfect. Right. Um, but it gives me these little signs that say, Hey, something's popping up. Um, and I run the report once a week. Um, a really good example. I sometimes time my weekly articles to things that are breaking out or popping up on my screen. So I got really, sometimes my, my timing's pretty solid and sometimes it's rough, but um, marijuana stocks three weeks ago, they just, it was breaking out that the, the program said, Hey, check, take, take a look. Yeah. Um, so the same with sports betting stocks, same with a whole bunch of other small little micro trends, but I try to produce content based upon these little alerts. Mm. So it's not is, just me. This, these alerts are coming from your, is it software or modeling that you're doing? It is. It's yeah. exactly right. Okay. Um, so the biggest problem with any modeling, nothing's perfect, is you could suffer what's called a whipsaw, which is it gives you a buy signal and then it turns around and gives you a sell signal. Um, I tend to have a program that gives me multiple buy signals. So it kind of increases in confidence and decreases. So rule number three, invest with the trend is what I always wanted for all these years is just for someone to say, just stay put, just, just yeah, get out of your, okay. get out of your head sure. or, or someone to say, um, you've got so much cash, it's time to deploy some, just, just do a little bit. Yeah. So, and in today's world of zero commissions, um, that was what I always needed. So that's, that's something that I run. So how it works in my business. Um, so for free, I, I kind of write a, a five minute or less article at the bottom of the article, I give that, that model stage, the rule number three trend of U S stocks, foreign stocks, U S bonds and gold. I do four because I think most people own that to a degree. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then once a month I've been delivering one stock that fund managers are buying. Got it. Okay. And that, so you're using, yeah. So you're using that first part you talked about and then kind of picking one out of, the conglomerate of, of the companies that are sharing out, you know, early buy sell positions and sharing one of those out with your audience a month. Correct. Got yeah. it. So that's what I deliver for free. Um, and it's, I mean, everything's subject to, to change is I, I, yeah. I love feedback. Um, but so far I've had some, uh, there's nothing better than getting an email saying like that was totally awesome and totally helpful. Right. Um, right. And right. Then, and then from there, um, there's more, there's a premium version, um, as well, but that's something okay. where, um, I want to deliver an awful lot. So there's hopefully, um, uh, people get a lot of value. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, I will obviously link the, the link to the website, uh, in the show notes and we can share that out. Um, I think it's really cool. Uh, before this, obviously this is our first time chatting, so I, I didn't get to understand the, the back end of it, but I do definitely agree. I think, you know, it's funny and obviously you did this professionally, all my friends, family, listeners that I've talked to, um, I would say like the most common thing I hear is, you know, I, I, I run into way too many people who are trading on the news. Like they're, they, they see something in the news, they jump on it. And to your point, I, I can only imagine that when that happens at scale, retail investors are the ones losing. The institutions that are doing the big moves are the ones that are making the money. Right. And so this is really interesting. It's a really interesting topic and, and concept. Um, 
how how then i'm just 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 so we all know because i think a lot of people i'm sure will sign up from hearing this what is going to be different or added on the premium content side of the platform you're building um i think what i always wanted from somebody um i i read a lot of books i joined some newsletters i love to i just love to learn um i like to learn what i wasn't getting at work also okay um and and my belief system is that if you are going to be in a diversified portfolio um, of index funds, I think in the long run, you'll do fine. Um, I just think that we're human and there's a chance you could sell at the worst point. And the hard part is, is I don't know if you'll do as well as you used to be able to do. Um, I, meaning that stocks are, are more expensive now. Uh, bonds are yielding less now. Um, but the premium version what I always wanted was someone to just kind of open their portfolio to me. So what do you own? Oh, yeah. um, okay. So number one, it's more transparent. Um, number two, um, the biggest thing I think was, I, I always like a lazy man portfolio or um, so just like a, like a very few positions, but they're oh, diversified yeah. like a basket uh, of an ETF more than just individual stocks. So using the model, on using index funds, using the model. Yeah. So, so having a transparent portfolio. And I think for some people that do get that itch to be a little bit more active, having someone give you setups um, that are, it's so easy to, to buy everything that's already high, like these yeah. breakouts. But what's really interesting is when things are, I love when things are beaten up. Um, and they're turning. So they're, they're improving and they're beaten up. So a good example, whether we want to, I mean, at some point we knew vaccines were coming at some point. Sure. Um, we yeah, just didn't yeah. know when. I mean, they were, we're being kind of or held like over our head with a carrot. Or anything, for, right? Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. No, so let's take like the Shane Index. Um, there's sure. a couple right, of stocks in, in the Shane Index, which I, I really like, um, that you had some energy plays, you had some... Um, you had a couple of plays that were more that were just perfectly set up. Just the storyline changed and yeah. the story went from tech bull run mm-hmm. to over the last few weeks, you've seen a shift where that, that storyline is, is still great. They're still making tons of money, but everyone's already there. So yeah. where people weren't was small caps, international, um, and then areas that got killed. Um, so like energy as an example is a really good example of a place where no one wanted to be. Uh, people think that, I mean, you, you turn on CNBC and I don't watch too often, but I heard Kramer say like, I don't recommend any stocks and energy right now. That's like, you should perk up when you hear, I don't recommend any, like if you say, I don't like this sector or this area at all. Yeah. You're close. You're close. You're close to the bottom. Like you're right there. So yeah, yeah. I, I think those are the times you like, you, you play the opposite game and you kind of sit forward and you go, oh, like this is probably, the model's probably going to tell me. So I run the model based upon a hundred different areas of the world and the markets. Okay. And it just says like, hey, heads up. Wow, that's so, really cool. Yeah. So that's kind of something that I um, will certainly deliver. Um, and then last but not least, I think people have questions now because I'm not acting in the capacity uh, that I used to act in, um, where I'm giving more generalized advice, um, sure. not uh, always talk to your financial advisor and always kind of back check it, but I'm giving you kind of what, from a different perspective that, that I believe would be really helpful, but it, it needs to be uh, coherent with what you want to do with your life. Right. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, no, this sounds really interesting. And I, it sounds like something you've been working on for a long time. Um, I I think this is extremely interesting. I think in today's world, personally, um, we're just bombarded with so much information. What I always respect is hearing someone like you that's created something that uses data. And it's, I think, I think a lot of people who are just getting into investing and are getting into the Robin Hoods, which I mean, I use Robin Hood, but if you're someone who just got in, is using Robinhood and has MSNBC on one screen all day while you're working from home, um, I just think you can get really sucked into, for better or for worse, just a lot to your point, a lot of, I mean, they're trying to get headlines, they're trying to get sound bites, they're trying to kind of just like have something exciting to talk about all day, every day. Uh, that, that, that's not great 
financial advice. And it's, it's, a lot of times it's not using data, right? And I think um, what you're building sounds like it's very analytically driven. Um, and it sounds like it adds a ton of value for people. That is the hope. Um, I, I think for me, so when I watch CNBC, I don't, or Bloomberg or Fox News or sure. whichever is on the screen, you just don't really know. It, sometimes it says in really tiny font, like holds this position. Right. You, you don't know if they're buying and you don't know if they're selling. They could very easily bring something up and sell into it. Yeah. Right. It's so easy for them to do that. Yeah. And there's, there's, that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with what that, that is. It's just, so I think that we're all subject and sucked into a really good story. And I think sometimes story investing is really good, but what if, what if your story's wrong? So yeah. like, like what if they're not buying? Like, and then, I mean, it happens to me still. Um, you, you, we're humanly trained. We're, we're biologically trained to do confirmation bias. We want to, whatever we own, we try to go read good stories about it. So the question is, is, okay, well, am I wrong? Right. And if I am wrong, what's my exit strategy? Cause sure. at zero commissions, so what? Just move along. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's true. And people are learning that way. Um, no, this sounds awesome. Scott, thank you so much. Um, I think I have a couple last questions that I'd love to ask you. Um, you know, especially someone being in the investment space for so long. Um, it's not, I'm sure you've had a handle, you know, handling clients. Now it's starting a business and running, you know, this whole different side of finance. Do you have any tools that you like to use on a, you know, basically anything, whether it's apps, you know, even just pen paper, uh, how do you like think about your goals and break them down into like daily tasks or like weekly tasks? Um, would love to just understand your perspective on that. Um, it's, that's a good timing because we approach the end of the year. <laughs> right. um, yeah. Um, things that I found really, really helpful years ago, I read the book um, living forward okay. by Michael Hyatt and somebody else. Um, some with an H They're, excellent book. So my thing that really helped me, I, I, put my head down, work really hard in corporate America. And I didn't pick it up very often, um, except for, um, my wife and, and my family. Yeah. Um, but I, I really type that you just kind of work, work, work. And by taking a step back and jotting out like what's really, really important to you and where's, where's my time going to go? Um, for me, it was, it was family. It was health. It was, um, you can't do it now, but it was like, try to do some travel, at least travel to see family. So having sure, yeah. a lot of it documented of what's really, really important. Um, and then I think I, I also did, um, it was almost, it was so inexpensive considering the value I got. Um, famous author, Donald Miller, it was like a life planning course for almost nothing. And again, it just kind of helped organize what you really want. Because if you don't know what you want. It's unfortunately someone else is going to dictate what you want, yeah, um, which is part of it. And then he, they, they always had kind of focus on, they gave you kind of a, to, a to-do list of three things. And if you did it, how would you feel? And so there's a little worksheet that you fill out. Um, as an entrepreneur, that, that to-do list is long. Um, it's, ne- it's never shortened. So I imagine sure. as you're working, putting on this podcast, it's, it's a long to-do list. Yeah. Um, but I try my best to uh, I have goals for today. I have goals for this week. I have goals for this month. And, and if I don't accomplish them all, unfortunately, they, they get pushed a little bit. Um, but that's, it's all structured, typically written down. Um, I was using Google Docs for ages. Um, I use it for a lot of personal finance and other things. Um, but I think writing it down is yeah. an exercise that's really helpful. Yeah. Do you find the same thing? Or I do. Like- yeah. I, I've, you know, I feel like it's funny over the last couple of years. Um, I, I've tried like every app I've tried, you know, just regular pen and paper. Um, I'm now using, actually, it's funny. You said Michael Hyatt. I use his full focus planner. I don't know if you've ever heard cool. of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what I've been using lately. Um, I, there's something about writing it down on paper though, for me, um, it's totally different than anything else. The only thing that's tough is if you, if you're, it's, it works well for me now being in the work from home environment when I was on the go all the time. The only thing that that didn't do is if you forgot it and it was like your to-do list or your, 
your plan for the week. So you got to make sure you can keep it on you a lot of the time. I noticed that was important. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've seen a whole change specifically in 2020 for me on, on writing things down and having a goal with weekly plans and daily plans that builds to that. Um, that's something I've actually learned a lot from Michael Hyatt is just, you know, that whole concept of if you don't know what you're striving towards, you're a going to end up where you don't know where you're going to end up, right? You're just going to, you're, you're headed to a place you don't know where the finish line is. And then B, if you're not planning your time, someone else plans it for you. So I like that all with, with paper and, and pen. That's, that's the way I've been able to accomplish a lot of things this year. That's a good point. Um, the next one is, do you have a favorite book that you commonly recommend to people? Um, it can be any, you know, any background. It doesn't have to be finance necessarily, but just curious if you have a book that you love to give to people. Yeah, um, that one I just mentioned is excellent. Um, that was living forward. Um, I've actually mentioned that several times recently as we okay. approach the end of the year. Um, and I'd say I tend to go two different directions. So I have readers and friends who are like devout value investors. So I'll go finance cause we're, that's, I've talked about the whole sure. day. So who are devout value investors and they, nothing gets them more excited than a boring company at half off. So, uh, Benjamin Graham, um, intelligent investor by far and away. Yeah. It's, it's, it's their start. And then for me personally, I tend to be more of a growth investor. I get, I don't know, it's more exciting to me. So I like, if I miss out on a stock's 50 or hundred percent run, but there's still another 500 to go. Um, that's William O'Neill and how to make money in stocks. Okay. So that, that book, I probably, it's, it's on everyone's mind. So when everyone kind of looks at like, like the Amazon example or sure. the Google example. And they were like, well, could, could you have handled multiple 80% drawdowns? And most people can't, but there's a recipe that all of these growth stocks have, and they have similar commonalities. And I think that the, 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 how to make money in stocks with Bill O'Neill, it's a recipe for finding the most exciting, maybe not just stocks, but the most exciting companies that are coming and already out. And I think that's a book that I've typically given up. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great one. I'll, uh, I'll add a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, and then, yeah, the last one really, obviously we've, we've, we've mentioned it's investwithrules.com is the website. People can sign up for the newsletter on there, right? You can. Yep. Yeah. Is, is, is there any other place that you're putting out content um, that people should follow you that you like to share or is it really just go to investwithrules.com and, and that's the best place to go? Yeah, absolutely best place. So investwithrules.com, if you sign up first name and email, you'll be on the list to just get free content. That's highly valuable. Uh, I will not waste your time. Um, on there, if you want to really click around a bunch, um, I put the, the most downloaded article on a kind of a popular blog page if you kind of click around. Um, so I put some areas, some stuff up there and then I typically will kind of put out on social media, just kind of leading you back to, I don't know, it's, it's free. It's in my yeah. opinion, it's super valuable and it's free. I'm, I'm not asking that much from you. Um, sure. it, so if, uh, if, if, if it's not for you, it, it will hurt my, break my heart a little bit, but it's, <laughs> I understand, uh, but I give away a lot for free cause I want to provide the value to you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast. Um, I'll definitely, obviously, like I said, share this out and hopefully we'll get some new readers of the, uh, the, the website and I wish you the best with your, your new venture and hope the growth comes and it's, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what it turns into. Awesome. And Shane, thank you. I've been listening to your podcast too. So you've got some excellent well, content um, and I wish you and your family a Happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays, and look forward to connecting again soon. Yeah, let's do it. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you guys stay healthy and safe, and uh, we'll come back and do another one. Sounds great. Look awesome. forward to it. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Scott Bennett. As always, wanted to remind you guys of a few links in the show notes. Uh, investwithrules.com, Scott's uh, own proprietary website. Check that out. Uh, if you want to do your own investing and you haven't started or if you have but want to find a better option, I always suggest Robinhood. And then I have my own 
resource on here, the COVID stock market rebound tracker, a free source that I've developed that allows all of you to find investments uh, that I am either, you know, looking at, possibly invested in, or, uh, you know, there's companies I'm keeping on my radar. So check that out. And then not finance related, but Whoop, which is the health and fitness strap that I've, you know, fallen in love with over the last year. I talk about it with all my friends and family. It's transitioned the way I, I approach, you know, exercise, recovery, sleep. Um, so definitely check that out. You can get a free Whoop strap and a free first month by using my link in the show notes. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another great episode shortly. Thanks again. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Goodbye.